Uh, we're going to continue now on a series that we've entitled Fear Not. You know, as we look in the season we're in, of course, October, uh, you see everybody starting to decorate their houses. You know, of course, it's the month of Halloween, and everybody's, you know, uh, decorating their houses, trying to, you know, outdo each other. Uh, you know, we see movies coming out that are just, you know, horror flicks, and uh, just an incredible amount of movies coming out with horror flicks. Uh, you know, people, you know, the ghosts and goblins all over. I remember I, last week, I had to go uh, to HR at, at, at work, and I went up, and I started going up the, hair, the stairs, and Oh, there was a spiders on the stairs all the way up, and then I finally got to the top floor, and there was this huge spider on the wall, and I go, wow, trying to scare everybody. But this is the world's infatuation with darkness and evil, you know, they're trying to scare people, trying to bring fear in people. And this is why we entitled this uh, series, Fear Not, because we understand that God has not given us a spirit of fear. When I thought of fear, one, real, one thought came to my mind, um, you know, and the result of fear, what does fear do? And when I looked, I thought of fear, I thought of, because the situation, I'll get into it after, um, is it causes people to freeze up, you know, it, the old saying of being paralyzed with fear, that it keeps you from moving forward, it kind of gets you stuck at where you're at, because you're bound with fear, and it's just, you just don't want to move forward, you just want to stay where you're at. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to one of uh, uh, guys at work, he works in another department, and he was telling me how they worked at night, they had to work at night, in the middle of the night, there was some work they had to do, and there was three of them that were working, and he says while they were working, they see some guy that was in one of the pool boxes, and he was stealing copper out of the pool boxes. So what they did is they called the police. The police came out, and they sent out a female officer. So she, she approached the man, and what happened was he started fighting with her, and he was basically getting the best of her. So the guy said that they, what they did is they, they ran over there. They went to go assist her. He, the guy I was talking to, he said he grabbed the guy, and he slammed him against the car, and he grabbed one arm, and the police officer got the other arm. And then he said this other guy that came over, he's a young kid, and actually he's actually uh, getting ready to become a police officer. He's, he's training and, and getting ready to be a police officer. And he said he came, man, the guy came and just threw this crazy move. Man, I don't know what it was. It was like some kung fu move and just threw him to the ground, and we got him down. But he said the third guy... And, and, and so this one kid's getting ready to be a police officer while well, his friend decided he wanted to do the same thing. But the guy told me that he froze up, that he literally just stood there and didn't know what to do. And he just, he was paralyzed with fear. I'm thinking, man, I don't know about law enforcement, man, because, you know, this is a little situation here. But he said he got paralyzed with fear. He just froze up. And he told him after, hey, man, what are we going to do? Let the guy shoot me or what? what, what you know, how come he didn't do anything? He goes, well, I didn't know what to do. But that's what fear does. It, it, it paralyzes you. It causes you to freeze up. See, when we're paralyzed with fear, it keeps us from experiencing the fullness of God. All that God has for us, you know, uh, we don't want to move forward. We're, we're just stuck in where we're at. We don't want to step out in faith. And what happens is it, 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 fear keeps us from following the path that God has for us. The series scripture that we're using here for, for this series it says in, in it's first John chapter 4 and verse 18. He says, where God's love is, we understand God's love for us. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to, to, to take our place and, and die for our sins. So he says, where God's love is, there is no fear. He says, because God's perfect love drives out fear. We understand and know the love of God when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is the greatest example of love, it drives out all fear in our lives. See, his love for us should remove all fear. There should be no fear. There should be no worry. There should be no anxiety in our lives. Because this is what our topic is about, is fear not. This is what our series is about, is fear not. We've seen how we looked at the, the, the messages that have been preached already, and Pastor Matt talked about how God knows our name. That even in the womb, God knew who we are, and God knows everything about us, and he still knows everything about us. And we don't have to fear because God is watching over us. Brother Manny talked about last week is how I redeemed you. 
that we don't have to fear because God has redeemed us in every area of our lives through our physical part of our body, but also redeemed us that we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And as God has redeemed us and we come into a whole new relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a whole new life that is set before us. You know, we talk about being a new convert. We come to Christ. We're brand new in Christ, and we're just excited because we gave our lives to Jesus. Our lives start to change. We are now called the children of God. And what it is, is we begin to lay, away, lay aside our old way of living. We are redeemed, we're born again, we have Jesus Christ now, the greatest example of love. But as we start to serve God, what happens is reality begins to set in at times. Devil starts to lie to us and say, well, where do I start? What do I do? How am I going to live this new life that God has given me? And what happens is fear can come in and, and keep us from really experiencing what God has for us because we're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live this life. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to be alone on this journey. We need to understand that we are not alone in this journey. Tonight I entitled this message, Fear Not, I Am Your Provider. We understand that God is our provider. We look at Psalms 112, and as you read that chapter, it's talking about those who fear the Lord, those who trust in the Lord and the rewards of those that fear the God and, and trust in God. And in verse 7, it says, he does not fear bad news. It's talking about those that fear God, those that trust the Lord. He says he does not fear bad news, nor live in dread of what may happen. There is no fear in their life. He says they will not live in dread or may, of what may happen. He says, for he has settled in his mind that Jehovah will take care of him. That is why he's not afraid, but can calmly face his foes. foes. See, in the mind, we understand that Jehovah God will take care of us, that we do not have to allow fear into our lives, but we can live a life that, that God has for us. In Genesis chapter 22, it's a story of Abraham and his son Isaac. And the, God is speaking to, to Abraham here in verse 2. He says, take your son, your only son. He says, yes, your son Isaac, whom you love so much. He says, take your only son, the son that you love so much. He says, go to the land of Moriah. And go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountains which I will show you. God is telling him, I want you to take the son, the son you love, and I want you to make him a sacrifice to me. I think a lot of us would have said, no way, God, I'm not doing it. Can't do it, won't do it. Lord, find somebody else. But it says that Abraham got his son, his servants, and they began to march to the place that God had directed him. And he says as they were going up to the mountain, it says him and his son began to go alone. And in verse 7, it says, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, Abraham said, yes, my son. He says, we have the fire, we have the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? He goes, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the offering? And this is his response to him. He said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Abraham knew that God was going to provide. And he said, don't worry, son. God is going to provide. He already, in his heart, knew he was going to do exactly what God instructed him to do. And as he's there in the mountain, it says he tied up his son, laid him on the wood. He was getting ready to sacrifice him. And as he raised the knife to sacrifice him, verse 12, it says, the angel of the Lord spoke to him. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy. He says, the angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For I now know that you truly fear God. He says, you're not bound by fear, but you fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. He says, as Abraham looked to the, to the thing, he found, he seen a ram that was caught up in the bushes there. And he took that and he made him a sacrifice. Just that he said, don't worry, son, God will provide a sacrifice. And in verse, I'm sorry, Genesis 22:14, 14, it says, and Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. 
the Lord will provide. As it is says to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen, which is being seen is his provision. In the NIV, it says, so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. We see this story, and there was no fear in Abraham. He knew Jehovah Jireh was going to provide for him. We used to sing that song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And we understand that God is a provider. And tonight, I want to look at it, as I was thinking about this, and as I was going through the study, I started thinking of my own personal life. And I began to look back on the years that I've been serving God, and I can look and see each and every time and in every way how God would provide for me. How God would provide for me in so many different ways. I didn't have to have fear of this new life that God brought me to because I knew I wasn't alone. I knew God was going to provide and to help me. Tonight, I want to look at some different areas that God provides for us. Luan already started going over the first, yeah, Luan already started going over the first one, amen. God provides the Holy Spirit, amen. God will provide the Holy Spirit for us. In John chapter 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or a helper, who will never leave you, because a lot of times that fear when we come in to, to Christ and we, we come as a new convert, we come as a new believer, a lot of times we feel like, God, I'm gonna do this alone, but he says he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. And now and later, he will be with you. And he says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will never abandon you. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, I will not abandon you as orphans. As I go to my Father, I will not leave you alone. I am going to send, my Father's going to send a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do this alone. God is not abandoning us. He will never leave us alone. The Father is going to send that, that helper, the Holy Spirit. In Jan, John 14, 26, but when the Father sends the advocate, again, the helper, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind of heart, and this peace I give the world cannot give, so do not be troubled, do not be afraid. Again, he sends the Holy Spirit that's gonna teach us all things. The Holy Spirit's gonna begin to, to remind us of all things, the words that he has spoken, the, the words that we have learned. He's gonna remind us of these things so when we come into situations, we can lean back and say, oh, I remember when God said this in his word and we can apply it to our lives. See, my father is sending us the helper, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit. He's gonna teach you. He's gonna teach you in, in life's lessons and remind you of everything in scripture that will come to you. You don't have to fear in John 16, verse 12, Jesus again speaking, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He's going to guide us in all truth. He's going to teach us the truth. We understand the Bible tells us that the truth is what sets us free, and it's going to guide us in all truth. He's not going to speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Again, Jesus is telling about God sending us the Holy Spirit, the helper, to, to, to help us in this walk with him. In Luke chapter 11, it's talking about if your child asks for, you know, for, for a fish, would you give him a snake? If he asks for bread, would you give him a stone? And in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, so if you sinful people 
Know how to give good gifts to your children. You know, we give good gifts to our children. Like, you know, I said, if they ask for a fish, we're not going to give them a snake. If you ask for bread, we're not going to give them a rock. So if we know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When we begin to ask God for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give it to us freely. Again, we're redeemed. We can ask God to provide us with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, again, it teaches us, it guides us in truth, and, and, and we begin to be led by the Spirit. What happens when we don't, we're not led by the Spirit, when we, you know, the old ways of living, our old lifestyle, we don't allow the Spirit of truth, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead us? Galatians 19, 21 basically tells us the fruit of that life. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, again, we're not being led by the Spirit, but we're being led by the flesh. The results are very clear. It's evident in our lives, it'd be seen in your lives, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Man, he put a whole list of things in there. There are no loopholes, amen? You're looking for a loophole, ain't no loopholes. He put in everything, he touched every base here. But he said, this is the life that we lived when we were not being led by the Spirit. When we were being led by the flesh, when we were letting the world you know, dictate how we live. This is the way we lived. But again, let me tell you, as I said before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He tells us right there, he says, if we're going to be living this way, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. Because you're allowing yourself to be led by the flesh. You're being allowed to be led by your sinful nature. See, this was our life before Christ. We had no direction. We're basically living the way the world was dictating to us. But again, as Manning talked about being redeemed, and as a redeemed through Christ, he provides us again with the Holy Spirit to help us, to direct us, to teach us, to remind us of all things. And here is the result of a life led by the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces, this is the fruit of it, this kind of fruit in our lives, love. How many were lacking love, but when you came to Jesus, all of a sudden you had that love, took that heart of stone, gave you the heart of flesh. All of a sudden you learned how to love people. There was joy. There was peace and patience. You know, no longer are you getting angry because somebody has 16 items in the 15-hour line in the express line. Praise the Lord. I do that. My wife gets mad because I'll count. Man, he's got 16. He says 15. God is giving us patience. Kindness. Just being kind to people. Goodness. Faithfulness. We were never faithful to anything. I'll be there. Don't worry. I'll be there. And we never show up. You can count on me. I got your back till the wheels fall off and we don't show up. But the fruit, the Holy Spirit is being, teaching us to become faithful. And all of a sudden, we, when we say something, we're faithful to our word. There's gentleness, self-control. Man, I've been watching a bunch of videos of the Charger Cowboys game. All these fights that took place. And I have a friend, he's a season ticket holder of the Rams. And he says, this, he, he was disgusted. He was like, this is the norm now. Every time you go to a game, that's all that happens. Everybody's just turning into big old brawls. There's no self-control, but when we come to Christ, there's self-control. 
This is our life when we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Paul again says, there is no law against these things. Those who are, are belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passion and the desire of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. We took our old way and we nailed it to the Christ. We crucified it there and now we are living by the Holy Spirit as it's directing us. Since we are living by the Spirit, he says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He says, let us follow the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives, not just some of them, but every areas of our lives. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our advocate, our helper. He's our guide. He's always present in our lives that we should have no fear. Another area God provides is God provides his wisdom. See, the world's wisdom is kind of what we talked about earlier, the sinful nature. The world's wisdom, the worldview, you know, leads to a path of destruction. He talked about those living this way will not enter into the kingdom of heaven because we follow the desires of our sinful, sinful nature and we not enter that kingdom of heaven. When we look at godly wisdom, we look at the wisdom that God gives them through the Holy Spirit. It gives us clarity. It gives us understanding. It gives us insight and direction for our lives. It helps us to make good godly decisions, wise choices for our lives, and we see the good fruit of it. In James 3, chapter 3, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. This is the wisdom that God sends is all pure. It's untainted, it's unpolluted by the world, but the wisdom that God sends us is pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy, and the fruit is of good deeds. So we have the wisdom of God, and see again the fruit of it, and we see the good deeds that we do. We know the story of King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 4. It says, God gave Solomon very great, great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. He says that God gave him so much wisdom. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He says he was the wisest man in that whole region. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, there's a story of two women. It says they both had a son. And it says that one of them, when she was asleep, she rolled over and laid on top of her son and smothered him, and he ended up dying. So when she woke up, she got her son that had died. She took him, and she went to the other woman's house, and she traded her son for the woman's son. So she left her dead son with the woman and went back to her house. So when the woman woke up, she's seen that her son was dead. And she begins to look at him and say, wait a minute, this is not my son. She began to realize what the woman had done, that she had switched sons on them. So they came before Solomon and began to, to ask him to, 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 to kind of listen to their dispute and he began to argue back and forth, no, this is my son, no, this is mine. They began to argue about whose son it was. So he says, bring me a sword. He says, bring me a sword. And in verse 25 of, of 1 Kings chapter 3, he says, then he said, cut the living child in two. He says, cut him in half. Give one half to the woman and one half to the other woman. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child, who loved him very much, cried out, oh, no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. The real mother said, no, don't kill him. Just let her have him. Don't, please don't kill him. Said, but the other woman said, that's all right. He will neither be mine or yours. Divide him between the both of us. She's like, yeah, go ahead and cut him in half. Then the king says, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. In verse 28, when all of Israel heard the king's decision, when they heard what he had said, he says, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. 
This was not his own wisdom, but this was the wisdom that God had given him. He says the people were in awe because they realized that God had given him this wisdom. And James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God is generous. When you need wisdom, say, God, give me wisdom. It says he will give it to you. In Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? Think about that. It's better to have wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. He's talking about having wisdom that is better than the most precious metal is gold. He says you're better off with, with wisdom than getting gold. And we see in 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, Solomon, Solomon again. In, in, in first, the first beginning of that chapter, he says that uh, Solomon loved the Lord like his father David. And as he's living there, God begins to tell him, and he speaks to him. He says, ask me of anything, and I will give it to you. He says, ask me of anything you want, and I will give it to you. What if God came and told you that this evening? Ask me anything you want, and I'll give it to you. What are some of the answers? God, give me, it's not a million bucks no more. It's like 10 million bucks. You know, a million's not enough. God, give me $10 million. Give me a new car. Give me a new house. Give me this. Give me that. Give me a husband. Give me a wife. That would be our response. But this is Solomon's response. He says, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern the people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Again, it said it's better to have wisdom than gold. And God asked Solomon, what do you want? Give me any, ask me anything you want. He says, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom so that I can judge your people, that I can govern your people. 1 Kings 3.10, it says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth, said so you weren't asking for the car, the house, you know, all these fancy things, but you asked for wisdom. Because you didn't ask for long life, wealth, or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise understanding heart as such as no one has ever and ever will have. I will give you what you asked for. But he also says, I'll also give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you riches and fame, and there will be no other king that can compare to you. See, it's so important that how, valuable God, how, how much value God places on wisdom. That he says, just ask for me, and I'll give it to you. He says, don't ask me for all these other things. Ask for wisdom, and I'll give it to you. Because it's so important that we have the wisdom of God. In first, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. I have not stopped thanking God for you. Paul's writing here. I haven't stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. He says, I'm always praying for you. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom. He says, I pray for you constantly. I'm always praying that God would give you wisdom and insight so that you, what, might grow in your knowledge of God. He says, I pray that God would give you that insight, God would give you that wisdom, why? So that you would grow. Paul understood the, under, the importance of having godly wisdom. That's why he continued to pray for them constantly, that they would have that spiritual wisdom, you know, that they wouldn't be confused and, and, and not know what direction to go, but they would grow and drive out all that de- uh, fear and doubt. So God, God, God can help us in so many ways that we just say, God, give me wisdom. About a year ago, we were in contract negotiations at work, and we have three different levels. We have management, mid-management, and the general employees. So I'm, I'm mid-management. So Upper management, mid-match, we already had settled our contracts, but the, the general employees were really fighting for a new contract. They were really asking for a lot. So one morning I came in, and my crew was there. I have a crew of 10 guys. 
And basically, they started telling me, basically, their list of demands. You know, this is, this is what's going to happen. It's not personal against you, but we're just, this is, this is, what's, this is how it's going to be. They, they can't go on strike, but they can do other things. So they basically told me, this is what's going to happen. It was going to affect me. It was really going to have a big effect on me. I would have been pretty much a one-man, one-man crew, you know, at night and weekends. But I just, okay. I said, okay. So I went and went to speak to my boss, and he said all the other departments, same thing, all the crews, all the, they, they told all the state supervisors the same things. Basically, this is, you know, basically our list of demands. So I just let him know, hey, what's, this is what's going on. He goes, yeah, I know already. They, they did it to everybody else. They all got us at the same time. And he told me, you know what? Just tell them this is how it's going to be, and you, you can just start writing everybody up. Just start writing everybody up. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. To myself, I'm not going to start threatening everybody with their jobs. I'm not going to start threatening them. I'm going to fire you. And I went to my office, and I just started praying. I just started praying, God, help me, because this, Fear was starting to come in because it's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I just started praying and asking God, God, help me. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. God started giving me wisdom. And I started to realize that the majority of my crew I had hired. I hired the majority of my crew. So I went back to God basically in my, not a big, you know, just in my heart. I went back to the, the questions that we asked in the interview because I keep those and then I keep you know, all the, the interviewees in, in, as a file. And I started reading the one question. And I go, okay. So I started calling them in one by one and asked them, can you read question number seven for me? And they'd read question number seven. And I go, so in that question, the reason you, when you, when you answered it, you said yes. And that's one of the reasons why I hired you. Are you changing your mind? Are you going back on that? Oh, no, no, no. You know, and, and one by one, I started calling them in, one by one. So the older guys that I didn't hire, I started praying, God, how do I, you know, speak to these guys? And all of a sudden, God showed me something else. And I was able to bring them in one by one and say, look, you know, and this is how it is. You know, this is, you know, some of the agreements you made. Are you changing your mind on these things now? And they're like, nah, man, you know, we're just, we're just trying to, you know, stir up the city a little bit, try to get them to, to move a little bit. I go, this is not the way you do it, though. You didn't stir nothing up. All you did was anger everybody. And I began to, and, and man, I was like, wow, this is God, you know, and like, I'm sitting there all excited, and then I went to my boss, and I'm like, hey, this, you know, this is what I did, and I'm thinking, all right, good job. He goes, okay, and that was it. I'm like, okay. So I went and called my wife, man, and I was so excited. I'm like, you know what, you can't, you ain't gonna believe what God just did. I didn't take credit for none of this. I said, you ain't gonna believe what God did. God gave me wisdom right now, because I was starting to worry. I was starting to let fear come in, because it was gonna be a, uh, man, it was, it was gonna, literally, I've been a one-man crew, you know, by myself out there, doing work at 10, and this is having to do at nights and weekends, and God began to give me wisdom, I was so excited, I called her up, man, baby, you're gonna believe what God just did, God did a miracle, and it was all settled within that day, because that's what happens when you ask God for wisdom, it's God, God, give me wisdom in this situation, because we're in the flesh. What do we do? We last shot. I could have just started threatening them. You know, I'm going to fire all you guys. I'll get 10 new guys, and they'll do twice the work you guys, you know. Could have did that. But God gave me wisdom. He said, no, this is what you do. See, the next thing God gives is God provides joy. Psalm 16:11. you make known to me the path of life. He directs our lives. You will, again, the Holy Spirit, he directs our lives. You will, fi- you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at night, at, at, at your right hand. It is a joy to serve God. I was listening to this Christian radio station and the host was talking and it was at night. You know, you get the, the, the morning crew, they're all excited, yelling, screaming, all happy, and then the night crew, it's like real soft and mellow, you know. It's like, 
Hey, everybody. You're out there. Praise the Lord. So it was at night. I was listening to it at night. I was driving around. And she's going to start praying for everybody. She's like, I'm just going to pray for all you. But when she was talking, it was like listening to her was like doom and gloom. It was like, oh, I know you've, you all had a terrible day and oh, everything in your life is terrible and everything you're going through. And, you know, it's talking like if everybody was living in misery. And if I wasn't saved, I would have been listening to that, man. I don't need this, man. Listening to what you guys go through. God wants to provide us with joy. It is such a joy to serve God. And yes, there are trials. There are trials along the way, but we can still have joy. Peter said, count it all joy when you go through trials. We don't have to walk around depressed, worry, full of fear. See, fear robs us of joy. Again, it wants us to get us to freeze up, to paralyze us with fear. But God's love casts out that fear so that we can have God provide us with joy. You know, I, how do you start your morning? Seriously, how do you start your morning? Because it, re, it affects the remainder of your day. I'll go to work and, you know, you'll see people and, hey, good morning. What's so good about it? You know, say, come on, man. Just miserable. You just don't want to be around people like that. Just bringing everybody down. And it's like, this is one guy I used to always tell people. Why so glum, chum? You know, it's like, why the long face? You know, turn that frown upside down. He'd always tell people that. And everybody get mad. Why do you talk to me like that, you know? God wants us and provide us with joy. God doesn't want us like this. People look at us, you're a man or a woman of God, and you're so glum, you're so angry, you're so miserable. I don't need it. We got joy that God gives us. <laughs> Psalm 118, verse 24 song we always sing, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's rejoice in the Lord and have joy. A lot of people say, well, you, you know, how am I supposed to have joy? You don't know what I'm going through. You know, I'm going through the worst time of my life. How am I going to find joy? Yeah, you're right, but God knows what you're going through, and he wants to give you another day. He says, this is the day that I've made. It's giving you another day to enjoy life, that you don't have to be so miserable, so bummed out. Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger is for a moment, his favor is for life, but weeping may endure through the night. Yes, we're going to go through trials, we're going to go through some situations in our lives, but joy comes in the morning. It will come. God will provide it. My wife used to always have this saying with the kids, you know, I'm sorry, Mom, in the next morning. Today's a new day. Today's a new day. Just forget about everything happened yesterday. Today is a new day. Make the best of it. Make the best of this day. Forget about what happened yesterday. Today is a new day. We're going to start fresh. We're going to start new. And this is where we can find and see how God provides joy for us. Philippians, Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. It says, always be full of joy and rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate or unselfish. When you're joy, you're, you're so happy. You're such a good person to everyone. And all you do, when you have the joy, you're considerate. You're not moody. You're not angry. You're not glum. And he also says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. Amen. The Lord is coming soon. Pastor Matt talked about that Sunday morning. 1 Peter 5.8, you love him even though you've never even seen him. This is our faith. We love God and we haven't even seen him. And through you, though you don't see him now, you trust him. And even though we don't see him right now, we still trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. You, rejo you 
you rejoice with this joy that's unexplainable. That's just something only God can give. The kind of joy that God gives, you just can't explain it. It's just something that is so unexplainable. Psalm 511 says, but let all those who take refuge in you rejoice. Let us rejoice as we take refuge in God. God. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Again, singing praises, of joyful praises. Not the blues, amen, but joyful praises. A lot of people love singing the blues, amen. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. There was a guy at work when I first started years ago. He passed away a number of years ago, but he was always so joyful. You know, he just really, hey, good morning. You know, he was really joyful, always talking to everybody. I always make fun of him because he, he would have this key ring. And he probably had like 100 keys, you know, and then you just hear him walking, ching, ching, ching. It was funny because in our city, we probably use four keys, you know. It's like he's got like 100 that he's saved over the 20 years, and you'd hear him. But he's always, he was always singing, and he was always singing this song, baby, 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 and, you know, it became infectious. But he was just so joyous, and that joy was so infectious. He liked working with the guy. See, when there's joy, God also provides his strength. In Nehemiah 8, Ezra's reading the book of the law of Moses, and as he's reading it, some of the people started to weep, started to get, you know, a little bummed at what he, their, what he was reading. So Nehemiah speaks in 8.10. He says, and Nehemiah continued. He says, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food, and the people have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected or sad. It says, for the, lo- the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we have joy, God gives us strength. Along with his joy, he provides us with strength. Fear can wear us out. Fear can drain us. Fear can weaken us. Fear can cause us not to want to go on. But again, our series is God telling us, fear not. I will provide you with strength, with that strength that Paul talks about in, in 2 Timothy. He says, I have fought the good faith, good fight of faith. He said, I fought the good fight. This is a fight. This is a battle. And it was God who had strengthened him. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Why? Because God had driven all fear out of his life. He had given him strength to complete his journey. And we can say, you know what? I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to finish my race. Why? Because God is going to give me strength. In Psalm 28, it says, the Lord is my strength and shield. Thank God we don't have to rely on our own strength. God provides us with his strength. He says, the Lord is my strength. He is my shield. I trusted him with my whole heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. Here we see again, we see joy and strength tied together. He says, my heart is filled with joy, and I burst out with songs of thanksgiving. See, my coworker, he wasn't saved, but he was always singing, singing. How much more joy and strength should a child of God have? That we can burst out with songs of thanksgiving. And we're not singing baby, 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 baby. But we can be singing songs of praise and worship. Whatever your favorite worship is. You know, I'm into gospel, I'm in old school gospel. But whatever it is, that we can sing songs of praise and worship. Why? Because God is giving us that strength. Psalm 46, God is our refuge, our strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Yes, there's trials along the way, but God is going to strengthen us that we can get through it. So we will not fear. Again, this is our series, Fear Not. When earthquakes come, mountains crumble in the sea. We don't have to fear. Why? Because God is our refuge. He is our strength. 
Paul writes, and I, I, in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, I like the Amplified Version. It says, so I am well pleased with weakness, with insults, with distress and persecutions, with difficulties for the sake of Christ. He's just talking about all these I go through for the sake of the kingdom. For when I am weak, talking about his natural human strength, when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. Talking about the, the true power that comes from God, the true strength that comes from God, that, you know, in my, my natural strength, I'm weak, but when I'm powered by the Holy Ghost in God, I got strength and I'm able to, to endure. I got this scripture from Ben, Brother Ben over here, amen. Stole this from him this morning, amen. Praise the Lord. I was this morning yesterday, but I, I stole it from you. Praise the Lord. How many appreciate Brother Ben? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good brother there. I stole this from you, brother. They look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. He tells us you need strength. Look to God and he will provide. Look to God and he will provide us with the strength. Seek him always. Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through every trial, through every test, through every battle, through every struggle, I'm not going to be paralyzed by fear, by fear because I can do those things that God has called me to do. I can do those things that God has led me to because, it's, again, it's him who provides me with strength. The worship team can come up. last thing I want to look at is God will provide for our needs. Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He says, I will meet your needs. He doesn't say, I will meet all your wants, but he says, I'll meet your needs. When he asked Solomon, Solomon, what, do you, what is it that you want? What is it that you, you ask for? Solomon didn't say, well, this is what I want, Lord. He goes, but this is what I need. I need your wisdom. God says, I will supply for all of your needs. I, when I, I went for a bike ride Saturday morning, and I, I was trying to get certain amount of miles. So I was a little short, so what I did is I, I made a, a right turn on, on San Antonio, and I passed right by a, a complex. It's a senior complex. It's not a, a convalescent home, but it's a, a com, uh, senior living. It's for senior citizens. They, they, they have a special place for them. And this is where my mother-in-law was living before she went to be with the Lord. She was living there, and my brother-in-law was able to stay with her because he was her caregiver. So he stayed with her. She was able to stay. It was right there in San Antonio, and, uh, and uh, uh, I guess Rosecrans right there by the, behind the Shell Station. And a senior living there, and, and she would live there with my brother-in-law. But when my brother-in-law went to be with the Lord, so we tried to let her live by herself for some time. Tina put cameras in her house. And she's on a walker, okay? She was on a walker. But when you get to a certain age, you, you, you don't need the walker, you know? And she was always falling. So we had put cameras in the house, you know, and, you know, two, three in the morning, you'd hear, Tina, Tina. And then Tina would look at the camera, and she'd fall. So Tina would have to rush to the house, get her, pick her up. Sometimes he'd have to take her to the emergency because she'd hit her head. So finally got to the point where he says, you know, we, need, we just need to move her in with us. She's becoming a lot of, you know, it's, it's just not safe for her to, to live by herself. So she came to live with us. But this wasn't what she wanted. She didn't want this. She said, I'm not a baby. I'm not a child. You know, because, of, you know, her independence was taken from her, she felt. And yes, we, we kicked my son out of his room and gave her a nice room and, she was there, but a lot of times she says, this is not what I wanted, but this is what she needed. She needed this at this time. God just kind of showed me this. That a lot of times there's things what we want, but it's not what God says. That's not what you need. God says, I'll supply with everything you need. And God will provide what he feels what we need. 
The Bible is filled with miracles of provision from God, financial miracles, miracles of physical healing, restoration of lives, transformation, receive victory in battles. Why? Because God provided for the need at the time. Tonight, our series is Fear Not, for I am your provider. God is going to provide his Holy Spirit. God is going to provide us his wisdom. He's going to provide us his joy. He's going to provide us his strength. And he's going to provide for our needs.